The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, September 20th, 2021. The woman in your life will do what she must do to comfort you and calm you down and let you rest now. The woman in your life, she can rest so easily. She does everything you do because the woman in your life is you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm your host. And with me at the board is my friend, my partner, and engineer, and co-producer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. Another beautiful day here in Sonoma County. Well, I have a wonderful show today. Joining me on the telephone will be Janet Reynolds. Janet is the chairwoman of the Santa Rosa Democratic Club and vice president of communications for them. And we'll be talking about the upcoming Women's March rally happening here in Sonoma County in downtown Santa Rosa Plaza on Saturday, October 2nd. Also joining me on the phone for the second segment of the show is Avesta Kopsek, who is a graphic artist and founder and former publisher of the Sonoma County Gazette. You know, the Gazette is one of the county's most respected local newspapers, and that's uh, that I believe that's Vesta's le- legacy that she brought this to our community. And we'll be talking about her career as a journalist and publisher. Plus, we'll talk about the uh, the recent election and the role of the the media in our everyday life, its pros and cons, and also give some ideas on, uh, you know, how how people can become more and more involved and using, utilizing the media in a more positive uh, faction. Well, I'm back on the air. I was I was out last week. I'm telling you something. I went through trials and tribulations folks i hurt my back and i could my leg went out it was just one thing after another and i just had to say you know i just can't do the show this week and it was amazing that i was able to recover as quickly as i can and i want to thank uh, the station for uh filling in for me and thank just thank everybody for all their good wishes and prayers it just it really helps a lot when you know there are people out there praying for you and hoping that you get better so i thank everybody for that. Well, how exciting. Yay, no recall. I was really impressed with so many people coming out to vote. I mean, it, this was an amazing, an amazing election for me and to see how active everybody got with this. And, and what was so great about it is when you look at the, uh, the percentages, 76.86% of the voters said no recall for Governor Gavin Newsom. Oh, what a relief that was. What a relief that was. I mean, the guy may not be perfect, but I'll tell you something. When you look at the list of candidates, I didn't see much perfection in that either. And, of course, our own here in Sonoma County, our own district attorney, Jill Ravage was up for a recall, and I'm excited to say that 79.06% of the votes cast said no recall for Sonoma County District Attorney. And I'll tell you something, that was also a relief. And I want to congratulate everybody and thank everybody who is out in the streets getting signatures, talking to people, writing postcards, you name it. Hundreds and hundreds of people volunteering to make sure that there was no recall in this state. And I need to make this statement because it really is irritating to me. What a waste of time and money. But 
it proved that the voters are against any kind of revenge recalls, and it's very important that we looked at it that way. So congratulations to uh, to Governor Newsom and also to our district attorney, uh, Jill Ravage. I'm so happy that it turned out the way that it did. Well, you know, we have a special holiday here on November, from September 15th to October 15th is Mexican Heritage uh, uh, Month, or rather days. And, you know, it's very interesting. It's called National Hispanic Heritage Month. You know, each year, Americans observe National Hispanic Heritage Month from September 15th to October 15th by celebrating the histories, cultures, and contributions of American citizens whose ancestors came from Spain, Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central and South America. You know, it's a very, very interesting holiday. The observation started in 1968 as Hispanic Heritage Week under President Lyndon Johnson and was expanded by President Ronald Reagan in 1988. Well, he finally did something good, huh? <laughs> to cover a 30-day period starting on September 15th and ending on October 15th. Uh, it was enacted into law on August 17th, 1988 on the on the approval of the public law. There's a public law 100-402 if you care to look that up. You know, and also the day of September 15th is significant because it is the anniversary of the independence for Latin American countries, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, and Nigeria. In addition, Mexico and Chile, this is so interesting to me, Mexico and Chile celebrate their independence days on September 16th and September 18th, respectively. Also, Columbus Day or Dia de la Raza, which is October 12th, falls within this 30-day period. Amazing, you know. Well, to our Mexican, uh, her- to our Mexican citizens and 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 friends, congratulations and happy uh, National Hispanic Heritage Month. Very exciting, and I'm sure there's going to be lots of different things going on in the community. Just just keep your watch on the newspapers, especially the Sonoma County Gazette. They usually have a lot of listings of what is going on in the community. Well, as I do every Monday. I do a little segment called Our History is Our Strength. Now, why is that important? Because, you know, oftentimes we want to do something and we're a little bit uptight about it or we're a little bit nervous or we're a little bit scared. It always helps to hear what other people, uh, particularly other women, have been doing. And, you know... I seem to be able to go on to the Women's uh, History National Alliance and get all kinds of information about different women in, in history. And I picked a few. These are people that are having, women that are having birthdays. Well, today is September 20th, and this woman was born in 1899, and she made her transition in 1979. And I'm sure my friend Debbie McKay will appreciate this. Uh, happy birthday to Anna Strauss, the League of Women Voters national president from 1944 to 1950, believed in simplicity, brevity, and consensus building. Truman named her to the Commission on Internal Security and Individual Rights in 1951. Very, very powerful woman and really made an impact in our communities. And here we have another birthday coming up on September 21st, 1898. My goodness, these women were born in 1898 before we even got the vote and made her transition in 1987. Frances Alibery, she was a disciple of Marcus Gary. She expanded his vision to include black women, organized uh, waiters in Pullman Company, declared don't buy where you can't work. 
That's great. Don't buy products where you can't work. One of the first black women welders in 1942. So happy birthday to Frances Albier. My goodness, born in 1898. And here's somebody else. This is really, this is one of a very familiar name to our community here in Sonoma County, particularly Santa Rosa. On September 22nd, 1899, and she made her transition in 1990. And I'm proud to say that she was in the centennial uh, calendar that was uh, created here in Sonoma County for the, uh, for the 100th anniversary. Elsie Allen. Reserved and revitalized the culture of the Northern California Pomo Indians who made exquisite baskets from native plants. We have actually have a high school named after her here in Sonoma County. So happy birthday to Elsie Island, born September 22nd, 1899, and made her transition in 1990. I mean, these women were born before we were even able to vote, and yet they were able to accomplish so much. You know, they didn't have the freedoms that we as women have. And, you know, when we look at that Texas law, ladies, we are got to be very, very much aware that a lot of our rights, particularly our right to control our own bodies, is there's an attempt to take it away from us. You know, we need to pay attention. That's why this march on October 2nd is very important. It's going to be a national. When we talk to, when we talk to, uh, Janet Reynolds about it, we'll get a little bit more background on it. But it's a very, very important event. And I expect to see at least 500 women in Courthouse Square. And also, I'm, I'm very honored I will be one of the speakers. And if you see me and say hi, I'll be happy to give you a copy of the Women's Spaces Pledge. By the way, you know, as you, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show that I was injured and you know when you when you're not feeling well and your back goes out and your leg hurts and all that other stuff boy your self-esteem just goes out the window you know all of a sudden you start feeling oh my god is it going to last forever how am I going to get through this but you do that pledge and you realize but your self-esteem doesn't matter when you're anything outside of you and just because you're ill doesn't mean you have to feel like you're less than a human being everybody has issues everybody breaks down every once in a while it should not it should not affect our self-esteem honestly I mean but it does it does I mean I can't I hit an all-time low but that pledge that brought me up and also thanks to my dear partner Ken Norton who always reminds me that spirit is always at work in our lives and the angels are always taking care of us. I thank you for that, Ken. Anyway, two more birthdays I have and that's September 23rd. This woman was born, can you believe this, in 1838 and she made her transition in 1927. That's Victoria Woodhull. She's a feminist. Listen to this. I had no idea that this even existed. She was the first woman candidate for U.S. president. That was in 1872 for the Equal Rights Party. The first woman with her sister, Tennessee, to become members of the New York Stock Exchange in 1870s. Wow, I mean, I never, I didn't even know that there was actually a equal rights party. And here was this woman. She was actually the first, she ran for president. This was in 1872. Can you imagine? That took a lot of courage, a lot of courage. And then our last person here that we're going to, uh, we're going to celebrate. She was born September 23rd, 1863. And she made her transition in 1954. That was Mary Church Terrell, outstanding speaker, 
first president of the National Association of Colored Women in 1896, and she picketed in Washington, D.C. for women's suffrage and desegregation. Amazing. Can you imagine what the world was like when Mary Church Terrell stood up? I mean, my goodness. I mean, men, women had no rights whatsoever back then. You couldn't own property. You didn't even own your children. Everything that had to be, anything you wanted to have done or do, you had to get permission from your husband. Oh, can you imagine that? I mean, we've come a long way, baby, but we have to hold on to what we have. And if I've been analyzing over the past maybe 20 years, especially with this anti-abortion movement, you know, which I call it, you know, they call themselves pro-life I don't understand it. If they're pro-life, why, do, why don't we have Medicare for all our children? Why don't we stop all wars, which kill many, 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 many children? You know, what about food? What are the food stamps? How they cut back on food stamps? I mean, come on. You know, it's really very, very interesting. It makes no sense to me. You know, I, I understand that when a woman is pregnant, there's a fetus involved. Well, that fetus gets born. It has to be fed. It has to be educated. It needs medical you know, why aren't people standing up for that? I mean, I, I, it's very confusing to me. It really is confusing. You call yourself pro-life, you've got to give everything that sustains life. That means a good environment. Why aren't we all fighting, all women pro-lifers, fighting for the environment, fighting for medical care for all? I mean, there's, there's a lot that we can be doing. And when you look at here, this woman, Mary Church Terrell, you know, the first president of the National Association for Colored Women in, 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 in 1896. Imagine what she was going through. You know, I remember Shirley Chisholm when she was asked a question, what is hardest? What's the hardest? Is it harder to be a woman of color or a woman? And she said, absolutely a woman. So we, she had two strikes against her, it looks like, you know. But today, hopefully, we have progressed a little bit. At least I have my fingers crossed. Well, anyway, that's a lot to think about, and we have a lot of good, good guests on the show, and I'm really excited about that. And I'm also, you know, I'm also very excited about the song that I'm going to play for our uh, for our musical break. Um, I found this song on YouTube, and I was just blown away. It's called The Woman's Anthem, Love and Justice. And one of the lines is, is love and justice be my flag. I love that. Love and justice be my flag. You know, because without justice, you can have no peace. Without justice, you can have no harmony. We need justice. Justice is the key, the key to a strong democracy, the key to equality in the world. Justice is very, very important. So let me talk a little bit about this woman's anthem. It's called Love and Justice. And it was written in the late 2007, uh, uh, it was commissioned by Mary Cooks and the Victorian Women's Trust to write a woman's anthem, Love and Justice, to celebrate 100 years of women's suffrage. This was celebrated and first performed in November 2008 in, uh, in the Edge in Melbourne, Australia. You can see the, the conducting and all of it on YouTube, but I'm going to play it. I'm going to play it in two parts. Part one will be before we have uh, Janet Reynolds on, and then part two will be before I introduce uh, Vesta Copesake. So let's go ahead. We're going to take a musical break, and when we come back, I will be talking with Janet Reynolds, and we will be talking about the uh, 
March on March, excuse me, the March on October 2nd in downtown uh, Santa Rosa in in, uh, Ray, in the, uh, what is it called? It's called the Santa Rosa Plaza. And we'll be having a rally there and we'll be talking about that. So go ahead. Let's play part one, uh, Ken, and then we will return. Hidden in the clouds, the firelight is dying In the dark slumming street, men, women, children crying No work today means no pay, and no pay means we're starving Mother, I'm with child again, I feel like I'm dying Wow, love and justice be my flag. I'll live my truth 
will ear will be. I swear that I cannot arrest until there's equality. Amazing, amazing. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces. I am your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And for folks just tuning in, if you're just joining in, I want to remind my listeners that the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of the station, the board of the directors, and members, and Women's Spaces. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm Elaine B. Holtz. And with me, joining me on the phone is Janet Reynolds, Chair and Vice President of Communications, uh, Director for the Santa Rosa Democratic Club. Welcome, Janet. Welcome to Women's Spaces. Thank you so much, Elaine. I'm very happy to be here with you, and I loved the song. I know. It's just amazing when I found that song. I'm so happy. Before we start, I'd like to tell the folks just a little bit about you, but also we're going to be talking about the uh, about the Women's March happening October 2nd, and I want to read this really quickly. The mission of the Women's March is to harness the political power of diverse women and their communities to create transformative, so, transformative social change. Women's March is a women-led movement providing intersectional education on a diverse range of issues and creating entry points for new grassroots activists and organizers to engage in their local communities through trainings, outreach program, and events. So I just wanted to just say that. So welcome, and I want to just tell our folks a little bit about you, Janet, uh, if you don't mind. Not at all. Well, Janet Reynolds is the Vice President of Communications for the Santa Rosa Democratic Club, the oldest and largest Democratic club in Sonoma County. Janet currently serves as the Volunteer Coordinator for Sonoma County Democratic Party 2020 Campaign Headquarters. Her club duties include club's Facebook uh, Facebook page, website, monthly dinner announcement, and the club's newsletter, the donkey tail, I love that. Her focus as a Democratic activist has been in voter registration. I might add that she is a great writer. She wrote a wonderful piece with her husband about the suffrage movement. And what, what is your husband's name? I'm so sorry. His name is Bill Treziak. Yes, Bill Treziak. And they were always oh, just an, a marvelous thing. Anything else that you'd like to act, Janet? No, I... You know, I will have to say that the very first voter registration drive I ever did was back with Jimmy Carter when he ran for president. So I've been at this for a while. <laughs> so you got addicted. You're like me. Once you once you start yes. becoming an active, that's it. You've had it. Well, yep. you know, we just had a special election, and we the people spoke. No roll call. What are your thoughts about the recall, and what do you believe why so many, many people turned out? Well, I think there are a number of factors in in the success of the recall as well. Um, I, I just think people are kind of fed up with what they see happening. And certainly the number one candidate, the GOP, seemed to pick as their the main running mate, running person, person running against our current governor. Uh, you know, some of the things he said just don't sit well with people in California. And I also think in Sonoma County, our, our registrar of voters, Deborah Marie Proto, uh, is expecting we have a 70% turnout of registered voters in the county, um, which is extremely high for any special election. But I think part of the recall against our county, D.A. Till Ravitch, um, pushed that number up as well because people were disgusted by the revenge recall 
for her as well. So, Well, it was certainly, uh, I don't know about you, but it was certainly a, a relief for me. Yes, it was a relief for everybody. You know, now we can get back to work and do the work we need to get done. <laughs> And also that so many, you know, a shout out to everybody, you know, I mean, we're in the middle of still a pandemic, people, and, and, and of course, to our voter registrar, she's just an amazing person, and we really are grateful that she does what she does. And congratulations to Jill Ravage. I mean, I, I you know, we had her on a Zoom, and I could just see what the impact it was having on her and oh. I hope I hope that now she knows that she sees the county is not going to you know is not going to fall for some of those shenanigans so correct yep. well, well Janet October 2nd is a special day for women and the women's march which is happening across the nation including the rally taking place here in Sonoma County talk about the event you know what its goals is and I know you're very busy organizing it and anything else that you would like to say <laughs> that you think is important about this march March. Certainly. Um, well, the, the uh, march is on Saturday. Uh, it's not a march. It's a rally. We're having a rally in Courthouse Square in Santa Rosa on Saturday, October 2nd from 10 a.m. to 12 noon. And this date was picked as part of the National Women's March, the, or, the national organization that had that hugely successful march in Washington, D.C. the day after the former guy was inaugurated. Um, and they felt that this was an important date because it's the Saturday before the Supreme Court reconvenes for their next session on Monday, October 4th. And it's also in response to the recent, and I call it a non-ruling, that allowed the Texas ban on abortion to take effect. Um, And in addition to that, uh, the Supreme Court will be hearing a case from Mississippi at the start of their new session that could have a profound effect on abortion rights and also lead to the possibility of overturning Roe v. Wade. And we just can't let that happen. So um, once that notification came out from the National Women's March, um, we decided we needed to do something and we need to make our voices heard. And uh, so we went ahead and... Um, got permission we have filed for a permit and have had verbal approval from the city of santa rosa to hold this rally on that morning from 10 a.m to 12 noon and we hope everybody will come down and um as i like to say it's time to to show up stand up and speak up for (laughs) women's protection well what are some of the things that you have planned for the event Um, Well, we uh, will have speakers. We're in the process of identifying them. And our very first speaker we identified was you, Elaine, because of all the work that you have done throughout your lifetime to ensure women have have a spot at the table and have a voice in what's happening for them. So we're very excited to have you on as one of our speakers. And uh, we're in the process of identifying other speakers as well. And um, we want uh, people from all across Sonoma County and even if somebody's visiting from outside Sonoma County to show up and speak up and stand up for women's rights. So we'll have speeches and we're hoping to have some really good music. I might have to steal this wonderful piece that you just played. And um, we also will have a petition that we will ask people there to sign. 
And the petition uh, is uh, letting our congressional people know that they need to pass and sign into law the Women's Health Protection Act. Now, Nancy Pelosi, our Speaker of the House, has already said this is going to be one of the first votes that she puts up in the House of Representatives. And we know it will pass there, but then, unfortunately, it has to go on to the Senate. And so we're hoping the Senate will pass that as well, because this will uh, codify into law women's right to abortions. You know, it's, it's really interesting. I want to inject something here. You know, it's really, it's more about women's choice, that you yes. have the choice over your own body. You know, it, 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 it covers a lot of things. You know, if they're going to stop abortion, they can stop us from drinking green tea if they want to. You know, I mean, That's right. you know, That's that we, right. that we really have to be careful that choice is, this is, this is what a democracy is all about, that you have choice. You can go to That's the right or the left. You know, you can belong to whatever party you want and you have a choice. And, and the thing that is so perplexing to me about the abortion that they make it a religion, a religion religious movement and from in my opinion is if i'm going to be punished if i decide to have an abortion and god is against it well when the time comes and i'm going to be judged let me go through my process you don't have to have a a, a government rule to, to protect me from my own experience so right. it's, it's really it's really important well you know it's, it's, I really, the other, can i can i in, in just finish on them on the petition that we're asking people to sign that we also want to get passed, and this is the Senate version of the Voter Rights Act, is the Freedom to Vote Act, because all adult citizens need to be able to make their voices heard by voting. And if you don't have the ability to vote, and it should be an easy ability to vote, then you have no voice. But also it's another thing about choice. Yes, it is. You have yeah. to you, you have to decide whether you want to vote or not. That's your that's your given freedom in a free culture. But you have to have places to go to vote, and you have to have some sort of accountability around that's voting. Right. So it's very important. Well, I understand right. you're going to need some volunteers. Can you talk a little bit about that? And how can someone become a volunteer? Great. Yes, we do need volunteers. We still have um, volunteer uh, needs for helping us to set up and then at the end of it to take down and clean up. We also need people that are willing to go out among the crowd to ask them to sign the petition. And we'll have all the information available to do that. And the other um, area that we need volunteers for is what we're calling peace ambassadors. And these are people that we want to station around the square as well as within the crowd to ensure everybody has a we have a safe and secure event i love that peace ambassadors peace ambassadors that's what we're calling them so uh, we have those um uh, open up on our sign up genius and if you're interested in volunteering you can go to the county party's website which is simply sonoma Democrats with an S at the end dot org and then click on volunteer and you'll see a little orange box on the right hand side of your screen and just click on that orange box and sign up. Well, Janet Reynolds, I really want to thank you so much for doing this and thank you for honoring me and inviting me to speak. Are there any last words and let's let us have our your website again. Any last words you'd like to tell our listening audience? Well, we, we 
um, are looking forward to seeing as many people as will want to come out. We will follow all COVID precautions, and we are asking everybody to please wear a mask to protect yourself as well as all the others around you. And it is time for us to stand up, show up, and speak up for our rights as women. And as you have said, Elaine, it's all about choice. So, again, the website is Sonoma Democrats with an S dot O-R-G. Well, thank you so much, Janet Reynolds and the Santa Rosa Democratic Club for supporting the Women's March that they will be hosting at a rally on Saturday, October 2nd from 10 to 12. And we all need to show up. And you know something, I, Janet, I want to see a minimum, a minimum of 500 women out there. I do, too. I do, too. We're, we, we've asked for the largest size permit we could get, which is 1,500 people. We will have sign-making table or bring your own signs, put on your pink hats, and get out. Oh, actually, you know, just to let people know, I will wear my pink hat and my pink jacket because I always like to come to these different marches honoring Code Pink, Women for Peace, and also to bring their presence there. So I want to thank you once again, Janet Reynolds, for for doing this and the Democratic Club, and I wish you all the success in the world. And like I said, I'll say it one more time. I want a minimum of 500 people there. And if folks see me there, come up and say hello. I'll be happy to give them one of my Women's Spaces cards, which has the Women's Space this pledge on it we can say hello and then i'll know who's listening who's not listening so thank you again janet thank you elaine i really appreciate it oh i appreciate you you take care you too bye-bye Oh, I, there are so many wonderful women in our community. I mean, a shout out to Janet Reynolds, a shout out to all the folks at the, uh, at the, uh, Democratic Club here in Sonoma, in Santa Rosa. And also a thank you to all the women that work so hard on this recall. Oh my goodness, especially Maddie Harshfield. It really did a, an outstanding job. I want to thank everybody for that. Well, we're going to take a, another musical break and we're going to play part two of the women's, uh, the women's anthem, Love and Justice. I love that. Love and Justice. Actually, you need justice even before love. Because when you don't have justice, love is hard to, hard to enjoy. You know, if you know what I mean. So let's go ahead, Ken. Let's listen to, uh, the second part of the Love and Justice, the women's national, uh, anthem, which is sung by the Victorian Women's Choir. And then, uh, when we return, we will be talking with Besta Cope. Vesta uh, Cobstakes, who's the a graphic artist and founder and former publisher of the Sonoma County Gazette, and we'll be talking about the ins and outs of publishing a newspaper and some of the challenges and successes that she has had, along with ways people can utilize the media in a very positive way. <laughs>
got a song that is, my goodness, the Women's National Anthem. Oh, God. I love this line. I'm going to say it again. Love and justice be my flag. I'll live my truth wherever will be. I swear that I cannot rest till there's equality. Love and justice be my flag. I'll live my truth whatever comes. So many rivers to cross till our journey's done. Amazing. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holt. And joining me on the telephone is a dear friend and a a truly community person, Vesta Copestakes. Welcome, Vesta. Welcome to Women's Spaces once again. Oh, thank you, darling. It's always a pleasure. I absolutely admire you immensely and love you as well. Oh, well, thank you so much. Back to you also. You know, Vesta, you know, I usually introduce my guests by telling a little bit of bio about them, but so many things has changed for you. So what I thought I would do is I would start, I would start the conversation out by you talking about yourself. So talk about your beginnings as a writer and how it evolved into becoming a publisher and editor and owner of the Gazette. Now, now, former owner, what was your mission for the paper, and what do you believe that do you believe you actually accomplished it? Well, ultimately, I I came to it as a graphic designer and marketing professional, as opposed to a writer. I wrote. I always wrote. I wrote editorials. I was a PR person. I have an advertising agency. So, writing and doing all those things that are promotional was simply part of my career path. And it was a magical moment when the Farceville Chamber of Commerce said, uh, the people who were doing the Farceville Chamber Gazette said, um, we're moving on, would you like to take it over? And I was already doing the newsletter for the local elementary school, and I said, sure, why not? And it immediately, I mean, very first issue had a life of its own. 9-11 had occurred, and the first issue I published was right after 9-11. We would publish mid-month, and 9-11 occurred, and then I published, and then people started sending in letters, sending in their thoughts and feelings, and it became, oh, I, I need to be the place where they can have these published, and then that turned into the Gazette becoming more of a newspaper than a local newsletter for the Chamber and the community. And within a short period of time, the Chamber asked me to purchase it from them, which I did, and then it became, okay, no longer financially supported by the Chamber of Commerce and advertising. It had to be 100% advertising, which is where all my background in marketing and advertising came in and graphic design. I mean, I could do this kind of thing in my sleep. So it took over my life over the next bunch of years as I made it go from the Forest Hill Gazette to the West County Gazette, expanding circulation and distribution, and then putting out newsstands, because originally it was in the mail, and then expanding out throughout Sonoma County over the next few years. It was a long, slow, step-by-step process, and part of it had to do with uh, finding people who were willing to deliver, because after a point I couldn't do it all by myself. There were too many newsstands on the streets. And it's a place where um, William Randolph Hearst's statement that said circulation and distribution is everything. Um, he was the Hearst Media Giant. Everybody knows him for his castle, but nonetheless, Hearst Media Giant. And um, it, that phrase of circulation and distribution is everything became my mantra. And so I just kept putting out newsstands, getting permission, getting licenses, getting insurance to cover the newsstands, finding places to put racks, having them custom built, buying them, putting them out, putting them out, putting them out. And it became the way of reaching as many people as humanly possible with a free publication. 
Um, there's a lot of maintenance in having 500 newsstand locations on the streets in Sonoma <laughs> County. Um, that was a big part of it, too. So it's like this, so many things in life are a trigger starts it, and then it, it has a life of its own and goes from there. And if you just keep saying yes to the next possibility, you never know where it's going to go. It's well, very exciting. Well, you know, one of the, the one of the beautiful things that you brought forward was the fact that you had every city representative and you had every all the writers. I mean, every, individual writers, people. I know I myself wrote for the Gazette for three years. It was just an amazing experience, and to be able to get the word out there and to be able to do that. So, congratulations! So, what was your what was your general mission, and do you feel that you accomplished that? Well, yes, actually, very much so. Um, the the first phrase that I used, well, you know, you have some kind of tagline, was written by readers. And that meant that the readers of this publication had an opportunity to be published and to have their thoughts and feelings and perspective on reality put out there in a public way that they could not at the time. I mean, this is kind of before social media took off, for one thing. So print publications were still really, really important in people's lives. So written by readers, and then it became like, a, oh, that's, that's citizen journalism, which stopped losing some of the respect because a lot of people would simply rant. And I always had this thing of, like, no rants. I, I'm not interested in rants. I want you to think through your topic intelligently, you know, come to some logical conclusions. And then if you feel that you have all that together and you want to express this to people so that maybe you can inspire them to think the way you think, then, yes, as long as it's rational thinking. And then the other aspect of that is, I really wanted people to be for something as opposed to just against something. So the concept of inspiring people to participate in community life, it was don't just read news that's already happened before it happens where you can actually be part of the decision-making process like land use policies and other uh, policies that the Board of Supervisors and Permit Sonoma and the Water Agency are making decisions about the future of our home, I wanted people to be in that decision-making process. So that was part of it. And then the calendar became a 20 pages of the Gazette on every topic you could possibly imagine because most calendars were into arts and entertainment. And I went, no, it's got to be more than that. So we had, I mean, there was a time when we had every meeting that was possible in Sonoma County, which meant all of the AA meetings and the various meetings and, and all the volunteers was taking up two pages and the library events. It was like, whoa, cut it back, <laughs> cut it back, go online. So when it became, the print edition became supplemented by the website a number of years ago, I can't even remember how many years ago, it expanded. And then eventually, Written by Readers became connecting Sonoma County communities, which is a lot of what the town columns were about, each town has its own issues, problems, and comes to resolutions about how to solve them. Share it so the next town doesn't have to reinvent the wheel each time. So that became part of the mission of the town's columns. And to this day, that is the the thing that people say, even if they've just picked up the new version of the Gazette, I love the town's columns. They want to know what's going in in other communities. And then it became building community. So it's beyond connecting. The slogan became building community because that narrows it all down to exactly the concept of what is media. It doesn't have to be bad news. It doesn't have to be complain, complain, complain. 
It can be the solutions. What are the solutions to our problems? Well, let what me, do let people me, do to come together? Let me ask you a question here. Um, you know, with the columns and, you know, with the media particularly, you know, there's so much controversy around it because there's so much misinformation going out. I mean, it's just, it, it's mind-boggling, you know, how you have to do research before you can find out what the truth is. So what impact do you think, you know, what, doing something like the columns, but what impact do you think that the media has doing having uh, citizen journalists, uh, having people write letters to the editor. Why do you think these things are important, and how do you encourage people to do more of that? Well, first of all, I think letters to the editor are extremely important. Um, if you take a, like, say, like, in, in Sonoma County, we have the Press Democrat, and it is our community paper, and it has the local sections where you learn about what's going on in Sonoma County and the areas around us, and then you have the nation and the world section. So you know if you're going to talk about what's going on in Sonoma County and the nation and the world, but nonetheless, Sonoma County, where you really have influence, the editorial board decides what what their writers are going to write about, what they're going to research, what their opinions are, and what their opinions they wish to share, like influencing elections. They'll say, this is something we believe in, and we would like you to support, and this is something we're against, and we'd like you to be against it as well. So they have um, a political and social agenda and therefore influence. The letters to the editor, um, the close to homes, the, uh, the p- local papers, the blogs, the social media are all places where people who are not professional journalists but who are intelligent human beings who think things through have an opportunity to influence the way other people think, which is one of the reasons why I put a lot of emphasis on experts in their field. If there was a topic such as the local coastal plan or land use issues, even like cannabis issues and things, I would find people who were experts in their field and they would write about the topic. And yes, anybody can write about the topic as long as it's not just complaining. I wanted something constructive. But I also wanted people who really knew what they were talking about, so I'd ask them to write. And they would give the information that makes it easier for people to make an intelligent opinion and decision about a particular matter. I think that's really important that it's not just against, that it's for, and that you actually consider all the ramifications of what are the consequences of the decision and the opinion you have. So think it through. Don't just come up with an opinion without ever thinking about the consequences of the actions that you are suggesting. You know, it's very interesting. I notice my own habits whenever the, the paper comes in the morning, the first thing you look at is the letters to the editor. I mean, that's the first it's, thing I open to. It's, it's, it's amazing. Well, you know, I love the letters to the editor, and there are times when, because Alan, that's our routine, we do our coffee, our newspaper, and we sit there and we each take different sections, and there are times the thing that I read to Alan is some profound letter that is well written, and I really appreciate it. And that person is not a journalist, that not person is not a professional, and yet they have the vehicle to have their opinion spread out to the universe in general. And it's amazing, and and it's another way. It's another way that people can get involved. You know, one of the things you said that's very important. You know, people complain a lot. You know, and and I think the most important thing that one can do is look at what they're complaining about and just quiet down a little bit and start taking a little bit of action. And one of the actions could be a letter to the editor. 
also it could be a news tip too. Also, you can also call call your local newspaper and tell them if you have some ideas or certain things that are happening in the community that they may have overlooked, and 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 not at anybody's fault that they just didn't know about it so it's very interesting that we utilize the media in the most effective way that we can well you know i want well and media is a huge topic i mean just think about what media is these days it's no longer just print media radio and television it's social media and yes you can influence vast millions of people if you want to on social media and then there are these um, podcasts and blogs that people have created and that they create a following because what they're saying is something that resonates with somebody else how interesting is that it's it's hard to pick and choose among so you decide what resonates with you what is the medium for the message that you want to hear and also the medium for the message that you want to say you've got something on your mind you want to go out there and say it sometimes it's just a few lines on facebook or instagram or twitter or whatever and sometimes it's more carefully worded and if you send it into a media you know that it's going to be judged worthy of um, ink on paper or even a slot on their website but it's the media's decision to publish it or not where social media is your decision whether you want to have it out there or not so um, media is still really, really important, and one of the things that media looks to do is to have credibility, not only for what they publish, but also for what people send to them. So they will, they may not want to publish a rant, just like I didn't want to publish a rant that had no point other than just complaining. Um, they will decide what they are going to basically put their stamp of approval on when they publish it. Well, you know, time seems to run away when you're on the radio. It's just amazing. This hour goes by so fast, I can't stand it. I know. We're almost done, aren't we? <laughs> well, you know, and but but I want to really get into one important thing, as I know you are the chair of a very important committee. Can you tell me the name of that committee? Yeah, I know. I got it to you too late. So what I am is an elected official on the Lower Russian River Municipal Advisory Council, and I represent the town that I live in, Forestville. And there are two of us who represent this town because the population requires two plus an alternate. And the committee I am chair of is the Vacation Rental Committee. And it, what it is is right now, Permit Sonoma is rewriting their vacation rental ordinance because it does. the current ordinance was rewritten 15 years ago and does not currently represent what's going on right now and how our communities have changed. This ordinance applies to the entire Sonoma County. So... And when I'm, when I'm representing the Lower Russian River area, I'm researching the Lower Russian River area and how vacation rentals impact us. The 1st and 5th District are most profoundly impacted by vacation rentals. So what are the changes that we would like to see made in the ordinance? And what is very, very exciting, and I created this website called RussianRiverMac.org, and I have a, um, a form for people to fill out to help us map these vacation rentals, and we're working hand-in-hand with Permit Sonoma and specifically Gary Helfrick, who is in charge of rewriting this ordinance. And the ordinance rewrite also goes out to the coast. There is no ordinance out on the coast, but they're considering it because the Coastal Commission controls the coast, but the coast has a lot of vacation rentals. Santa Rosa is in the process of rewriting their ordinance as well and has a survey that they've had up online, and people answered it by a certain time. So you know that this is a big, hot topic. What, and what is we're what is, actually... What is the impact? What is the impact of, of these rentals? Well, the vacation rental ordinance, like, there's one that's extremely simple to it um, in that 
with all these emergencies that we're having, there is nothing in the ordinance that addresses how do vacation rentals handle emergencies. So one of the things that will be in the ordinance is that the owner, manager of the vacation rental has to have information on how to do evacuations, how to be aware of them, NICS alerts, those weather radios in the, the building itself so that it's not the responsibility of neighbors to bang on their door and say, by the way, we're being evacuated, right, because the people who are guests are not hooked into our system. So one of those things will be in the new ordinance is that that system will be hooked into the vacation rentals business as well. Another aspect of it is neighborhoods can get overwhelmed with vacation rentals, and one of the reasons that it's a big issue in the Russian River area is because of the river. So a lot of vacation rentals are taking over neighborhoods, and they don't have a neighborhood anymore. Bolinas found this to be the case, the city of Bolinas. Other counties, uh, Monterey and other parts of Sonoma County and, and parts of Northern California specifically, have put really, really strict restrictions on vacation rentals because they lost their neighborhoods. And they lost the sense of, um, you know who's there. You see these strangers walking up and down your street, and you have no idea who they are. They're not volunteering your community. In unincorporated areas, it's neighbors who are contributing to the community. So one of the things is this also extremely important business in, in terms of how, these, how we make livings out here, the restaurants, the stores, the people who own these properties, all that and all the services that they provide are an extremely important, important part of the economy. So where do you find the balance between maintaining neighborhoods and maintaining the business? And one of the most astounding parts of the new rewrite is they're actually considering taking it out of a land use issue out of permit Sonoma's hands and putting it into a business license, which makes an awful lot more sense because these are commercial businesses in residential neighborhoods. And the rules and regs around a business license are different around land use. And the enforcement is different. So one of the biggest changes is going to be the enforcement issue of this industry, which has been very, very hard for permit Sonoma to enforce. And if it goes over to the business license, that can be enforced better, but right now they're adapting, adopting a, a program and a company that Marin County uses, which allows for 24-7, you can have contact with somebody who's going to fix that problem that you're currently having. Best and that's spectacular. Best of, Gotta we're go. Com- we're coming to the end of the segment. It goes so fast. I'm so sorry. I would like final, okay. final words and any website that people can get a hold of you and how can they support this endeavor that, they, that you're doing with the uh, lower within this uh, committee? Well, I do have the meb- the website, RussianRiverMac.org. And so check it out because this, this ordinance is being rewritten right now and should be finished by September or no, February. And then oct- in October, there are going to be workshops. And as soon as I get the dates of those workshops, I will put them up on the RussianRiverMac.org. And then my contact information is the same as it's always been. It's Vesta, V-E-S-T-A, at Sonic.net. And my landline, 707-887-0253, stays the same. I love being involved in my community and will continue to be so. Well, Vesta Kopsakes, I know that you are, and I want to thank you so much for being on Women's Spaces and giving us an overview about the media and about this uh, organization, about looking at rental, you know, vacation rentals, which is just amazing. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being on Women's Spaces. And I'll see you on October 2nd at the March. I believe this is very, very important for us to show up. 
Oh, well, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, that's it for our show, folks. Uh, thank you to Vesta Kopik, uh, Kopesakes, graphic artist and founder and former publisher of the Sonoma County Gazette, and also to Janet Reynolds from the Santa Rosa Democratic Club for organizing. Remember that the uh, march on October 2nd in downtown Santa Rosa at the uh, Santa Rosa uh, Plaza. This is Elaine B. Holtz. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to being with you the next time. Because a woman in your The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, September 20th, 2021.